Welcome to A Little Better Podcast, where today we are diving into your questions about the book of Revelation. So please keep them coming at iwant.info, and in the coming weeks, we'll get to as many as we can. And remember, the goal of this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of his Spirit, do better, so that together we can be a little better. Let's dive in. Well, welcome to A Little Better Podcast. Uh, For those of you counting microphones, you'll see there's two here, uh, not three. And I did have, uh, my group was a little upset last night because we missed last week, Mm. but the uh, sickness, pestilence, and death just overwhelmed us last week. (laughs) I was in quarantine for COVID. Daniel, you know, is out of state, you know, with with family. Um, I was perfectly fine, so don't blame me. (laughs) It was both of them. Not Drew's fault, (laughs) but uh, here we are. So uh, the questions have been piling up while we were gone, and we will get to them. Mm. So we are here today. But the first question is a little warm-up, is favorite spring chore? What's yeah, it? I mean, mulching. Mulching, I, really? I it's... My wife and I love flowers, mm-hmm. and I love this time of year because so many things are blooming and budding and coming mm-hmm. up from the ground. And so, you know, you see your summer flowers starting to just slowly, you know, come up. You see some of your spring flowers are in full bloom and mm-hmm. some are in, the min- in between. And what makes them pop more than black mulch? Oh yeah. So I'm yeah. a black mulch guy and mm-hmm. oh, I have a pile of 6 yards of mulch. Nice. On my driveway haunting me like you mm-hmm. must put me in the flower beds. <laughs> so uh, that would be mine, yours. Yeah. K- Karen has me haul the mulch out of the van, so we do have bags of it. Mulch is her happy place. Me it's just mowing the lawn because for me the polar opposite is I cannot stand shoveling snow. Mm. And it's always like every time I shovel, is this going to be the last one? Is this going to be the last one? It kept coming. So finally, yes, mowing the lawn. I'm not shoveling snow anymore. That'll preach, bro. That'll (laughs) preach. (laughs) Well, I don't think those are the questions you are here to uh, have uh, (laughs) answered. So we are, I... I'm not usually the host, so we'll, we'll see how well this flies. I usually soak, you know, I bask in Daniel's seminary um, expertise. I but know. We'll see how it goes here. But I have the I have the answers over here, Drew. So we'll see how you do. <laughs> okay. okay. I have the questions and the answers. But the first question is: Does Northridge believe that the events in Revelation will literally happen in the future? Yes. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> so that's the that's the short and accurate answer. I suppose what's probably in this person's mind is what does literally mean? Yeah. So obviously we believe that everything that John communicates in Revelation will happen. What did he intend to communicate? We can get confused for sure about what he intended. Yep. But whatever he intended, that came with the Holy Spirit. That's right. And that will certainly happen. And, and you know, the, how, what's literal in Revelation and what's figurative, mm-hmm. you know, will it unfold the way we see it unfolding? Probably not, mm-hmm. because there's things that I think we have a lack of understanding, and some of that is intentional, and some of that's just our humanity. Right. Um, so, but I think grand scheme of Revelation, mm-hmm. the point and the events unfolding, yeah, yeah it's... 
Right. There are things that are very clear, things not so clear. The things that are not so clear don't in any way threaten our faith or the foundation of it. Yep. Okay. Number two. If Revelation doesn't mention the Antichrist or the rapture, I think you said that in a sermon, where in the Bible does it talk about it? I have been attending church my entire life, and I've always been told Revelation talks about these topics. I was shocked to find out it doesn't. Will there actually be a rapture and an Antichrist, or was I taught wrong? Yeah, so just to bring some clarity to what I said, I said the words rapture and antichrist Mm -hmm. were not mentioned in the book. Those are the words that we often tie to Revelation. You know, when you ask somebody, hey, what do you know about Revelation? You're probably going to get something along the lines of, oh, I I hear there's a rapture and there's the bad guy, right? The Mm -hmm. antichrist. Right. So those two things are represented in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, We see them. And one thing I've been doing in this series Mm -hmm. is just showing people places that the rapture might take place where scholars believe. So you've got, you know, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. So there's all kinds of different views. So those events actually, those things are true of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Those words are not used. And so we've just put, we've attached those words maybe for... Shorthand. Yeah, shorthand for understanding, Mm -hmm. for a, a lack of you know, word, like even this weekend, we talked about, you know, the first seal, the white horseman, mm-hmm. many scholars believe that is the antichrist. Now right. it's not like the, the first seal, the white horse, the antichrist, that's just a, a shorthand that we've attached to it. Right. And all of prophecy is not in revelation too. We've been yeah. continually tying this to the rest of the Bible too. Yep. So you do have, uh, and I'll put this in the show notes. Daniel was helpful here pointing out a number of scriptures that do talk more explicitly about the rapture and the antichrist. Again, maybe not with not using those words, but the same, same concept there at Daniel obviously has a lot to say. Matthew, I yep. mean, Jesus preaches so much about tribulation at yep. times in Matthew. First Thessalonians, First um, John, a number of scriptures, like I said. I'll put those in the show notes if yep. people want to take a look at that and read up more on other places that certainly rapture and antichrist are biblical. So spoiler alert, that's the answer to this, I think, podcast title. Yes, they are biblical, but they may just be shorthands for what the Bible mm. teaches. Okay, number three. We're moving. We're moving. We're just knocking these down. Years ago, I read the Left Behind series. Hmm. I thought it made Revelation much more understandable, tangible. Is this misguided? I would say yes and no. Mm -hmm. You know, I, hey, I, I, one of my first glimpses of Revelation was the Left Behind series just Mm -hmm. because they were really easy to read. They were fun to read. Mm-hmm. It was a great plot line. Even if you're, let's forget Revelation altogether. It was right. just a great series of books to read and like, mm-hmm. oh, this is pretty cool. Um, I do believe some of it. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a list. It's been, I yeah. don't know, 10, 15 years <laughs> since I've read them. Right. Um, I do think there are I, I do think the books give us a good glimpse yeah. of the overarching things that happen. I think there's, you know, any scholar would look at the books and say, okay, there there are some discrepancies here. There's some, you know, things taken and run with. Right. Um, yeah, and there's you're always going to fill in the gaps. Any any work of art, any work of literature, yeah. it's got to, you know, what people wear, how things look. I mean, you're all going to be providing details that we don't have, so there'll right. be gaps filled in that way. There may be things, you know, that are wrong there. I remember as a kid, I read the Lord of the Rings books yep. and The Hobbit, and uh, then I remember when um, Peter Jackson's, you know, 
Lord of the Rings trilogy came out, which I loved. And it was like, I mean, even watching the extras on that, I understood Middle Earth better than I had before. So I then I went back and reread The Lord of the Rings, and I just thought those movies helped me give a map. But it's still, the books are the authority, right. not the movies, yes. right? I wouldn't say anyone who watches The Chosen, they they now understand the, the Gospels <laughs> right. or the New Testament, That's right? That's good point, yeah. The Chosen is great, yeah. and it does help some things, but was Matthew really autistic or on the spectrum? I don't know. I mean, that's just an artistic guess, <laughs> right? right. Yep. And if that helps you understand, great, but it's always the scripture when I go back to. And you preach your sermons. I felt that way about it. It's just like I felt people, after listening to you, you know, preach would go back. I would hope they would go back to yeah. Revelation and say, I get it now. Oh, yeah. now some things make sense. But it's always about getting yep. us back to the word. So, yeah. And even remember, right, you're taking how many books was the Left Behind series? I don't know. It had to be like at least 10 or 12, something Mm. along those lines. You're taking all of those books in detail, right, right, and trying to put them into Mm -hmm. a movie, right? Uh, Like, good (laughs) luck, right? So, but I I think it's a, it could be a, a good resource if you've mm-hmm. ne- if you don't know anything about Revelation, I think right. that that could give you a small glimpse, maybe not a hundred percent accurate glimpse, but it will help you bring a little understanding. Like the, whoever wrote this question said, "Hey, right. it gave me it made it simple for me to understand." And we understand Revelation is a complex book, right. so that could be something that you could read, knowing right. it's not God's word; it's right. an interpretation right. to give you a glimpse. Yeah, always followed up the going back. You know, that's right. Love the Bible Project. Watch those videos. Don't let that replace reading the, the Bible. Word of God. That's right. <laughs> okay, so um, next number four. Now, here's, um, they put in quotes, quoting Revelation, write this to the angel of the church of dot, dot, dot. And then the question is, do churches today have an angelic representation? For instance, Northridge Church having an angel that looks over the church. Hmm. So I think most common scholarly interpretations of that would be to the messenger or to, you know, we would interpret as John is writing to the pastor or mm-hmm. the elder of that church, not right. necessarily an angelic being right. overseeing that church. Yeah, now, the word angel literally means messenger. Mes- yeah. So most commonly we think about angelic beings, but the word literally means messenger, so yep. it could be anyone who's a messenger. Right, I would, con- I would say, hey, I could be the angel or the messenger of Northridge Church. I'm right. one of the common communicators. And mm-hmm. so I think that's probably the way that we should interpret it. But mm-hmm. to to dive a little into the mystic or, you know, mm-hmm. the angelic world, I would like to believe, based off of my understanding of angels, that there I wouldn't say we necessarily have a specific angel who is the Northridge Church angel, but mm-hmm. I think every Sunday there's a, a war being waged in the spiritual realm that we mm-hmm. don't see, and I love to believe that right. we have angels mm-hmm. who are protecting our God's house of worship, our place of worship. When we sure. gather, there is angels mm-hmm. who protect. Now, right. I don't think we have a specific one. I think that's just some of the role of God's angels. Right, right. We don't have a lot of, yeah, again, it's minutia versus big picture. The big yep. picture is there's a transcendent reality. Yes, there are angels. Yep. Yes, there are demons. Those forces are at work. But we shouldn't obsess over them, but we know they're yep. out there and then focus on what what is our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Number five, where in heaven is Jesus and what is he doing? 
Is he sitting on the throne at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us as high priest in the middle of the seven churches, or all of these at once? I get confused, because I think of his glorified physical body as still having the limitation of only being in one place at a time. I think this person does a great job of almost answering the question. Yeah. You know, and one, I, I want to say this. They have good instincts. <laughs> they do. It's yeah. okay to be confused, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think everybody's so intimidated by being confused by the Bible, but mm-hmm. hey, one, you're not alone, right? right? Hey, I've been studying Revelation, and there's been times where I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm confused. And what do we do when we're confused? We dig. We dig mm-hmm. deeper. We ask God for wisdom and clarity. Um, and so where is Jesus? I think the Bible makes it clear he's at the right hand of God interceding for mm-hmm. us right now, preparing a place for us. Right. Um, I think there is definitely a difference between, you know, glorified Jesus and human Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Human Jesus was limited by his humanity in the sense that he couldn't be omnipresent, right? He can't right. be multiple places. Glorified Jesus walked through doors, apparently, or walls. I mean, there exactly. were some things that he could do. Right? And so glorified Jesus has the ability to do a lot of things at once. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I think scriptures make it clear. He is interceding for us. He is our high priest. Yeah. He is at the right hand of God. And we even see that in Revelation, right? We talk about the throne, the one who sits on the throne and the lamb at the right hand of the throne of God. And so mm-hmm. you see Jesus at the throne. Yeah. That's of- my huge encouragement that I have a high priest, right? Yeah. I have direct access to him. 24 7, you know, he's praying and interceding for me. And there's that whole drama in the New Testament where Jesus says, I have to go. And don't go, don't go. No, no, no. It will be better. It's better that I'm up there praying for you and that the Holy Spirit is down here filling you and everywhere. The Holy Spirit doesn't have that limitation of being in one place at one time. That Holy Spirit's with believers all All over. over the world. Yeah. Okay. Woo, man. We, is that five? We are, yeah, that's, that was five. And I've got to take a look no, at my timer, see how far we're I'm not going to lie, too. Daniel said we wouldn't get through 10, 10 questions he today. He so us incredibly. I know. Maybe it's Daniel who slows us down. I don't know. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this. Tangent free. <laughs> there we right. go. All right. So number six, you are correct. Five down. Let's keep moving. This one, um, uh, are the four beings in Revelation correlated to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I believe that is Revelation 4, 7, where there are four creatures. One of them is the face of a man. There's an eagle. and o- I'm not doing them in the right order. Eagle, ox, and... Lion. Lion. A yep. lion, and a eagle, man. ox, and the face of a man, I think. Yep. So, so those four. So the question is, do those four correlate to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Um, so... <laughs> so Daniel's got a couple of notes here, which we can get to, uh, too. But I, I just have to say flat out, first of all, I never I never heard that. I never would have gone there. I don't know. Is that something that people say? I've never heard that. Have you heard that? I, I haven't. In all my uh-huh. research, I haven't found any correlation between the four cherubim mm-hmm. um, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an interesting question, right? Uh-huh. I, I, I would be curious to see see where they find that or what right. what correlation yeah, in scripture mm-hmm. makes them think that this is referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Um, it's the number four. I don't know if they're talking about anything more than that, but it's the number four. We have four, four gospels. gospels and then four of these, but I, hmm. I, I, I don't. That's, that's the only connection that I can see is the number four, which I think would 
correlate to a lot of things. But now Daniel did, speaking from beyond here, uh, mention that one thing his professor, uh, one of his professors would often say was the narrator told you what you needed to know. Mm. So if there's an unanswered question, it's like, well, what's the answer? What does he mean? The narrator told you what he needed, what you needed to know. Yeah. So John has communicated everything he thought we needed to hear. Yep. So, so if it's unanswered, it doesn't need to be answered right. in, in a way. Now, I, I, I'm all about leaning in. And, For sure. You know, let's, let's do some digging here, right? I mean, Paul does that in the synagogues and just starts mining the Old Testament and connecting these things and showing how they fit yep. so beautifully into the life of Christ. So, so go at it. Yeah. <laughs> these are okay to make these hypotheses and work them through. But, but also, like, a warning of, you know, we even mentioned this, we can get so bogged down in details that don't matter. Right. You know, again... If the narrator told us what we needed to know, let our focus be on what we need to know, not speculation of what could be, right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather us grasp the things that we need to grasp, that God wants us to grasp sure. through his word. But that doesn't keep us from digging, right? right. Digging, searching, mm-hmm. but be careful, right? right. It, that can lead to places that you weren't intended to go. My rule of thumb is if I come up with something that no one else has thought of, I'm highly skeptical. <laughs> I don't think I'm that smart. I don't think like all these people for thousands of years looked and never saw mm. what, what I saw. But can you actually do that, Brad? <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> right. Nothing new under the sun. So that was yeah. slightly a Jesus joke. My bad. <laughs> all right. Very good. All right. So do, do, do. So that was, yes. Um, okay. Number seven, what should we think about the people who think they can predict when the rapture will happen? Now, I don't know if this was part of the question or part of Daniel's commentary. I think this was part of the question, an example that was recently in a podcast, and I don't even know if I want to put it in the show notes because it's just kind of lame. You. Go Google it. Other people are predicting when the rapture has happened too. But they, they um, what's shared here is a specific example of a ministry that claims to know when the rapture will happen. So the original question, what should we think about people who think they can predict the rapture, when it will happen? <laughs> They're lying. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> lying or misled, right? Yeah. I mean, so, however you want to look at it. But yeah. the, the Bible makes it very clear. No one knows the time or the hour, right? right? And so I don't know why Christians over like the course of time have tried to predict or mm-hmm. try to figure out you, you're not going to. And when you do figure it out, all you're declaring to everybody is it's not that time. Well, I share the desire. I mean, it's just like, I want to know, but it was, I was thinking about it in well, terms who of- who doesn't want to right, know? Right, but I was thinking about it in terms of like, if an angel came to me and said, hey, Brad, listen, I just want to, I'm, I'm going to tell you when the rapture happens. Do you want to know? And it's just like, yeah, of course I want to know. But you know what? I think God thinks it's a good idea that I don't know. <laughs> Obviously. Because if you look at the parable of the 10 versions in Matthew 25, that concludes with, I think, um, let me see. See here. Um, do, 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 do. I had it. Um, but because you don't know the hour, I can't find it. <laughs> it's because you don't know yeah. the hour. Always be ready. Yes. That is the conclusion of the parable. So there are there is there are benefits to ignorance. There are things that it's God knows it's better for us not to know. Yeah. Because if we did know, we'd be complacent. Or we're after the wrong thing. The question, I'm glad, and this this is why for 2,000 years around the world. Christians have always 
lived with an expectancy yeah. that Jesus can come. And that's the way we ought to live. Oh, it, it protects us from things, right? Sure. Not knowing when the rapture is going to happen, Jesus' second coming is going to happen. It protects us, much like right. children. I, I'm raising four children right now, and there are things that as their father, remember, we are God's children, mm-hmm. right? And so the correlation between parenting, I think, is so close because we have God the Father, we are his children. And there are things that I protect my kids from. I want them to live in ignorance of for a certain time. And I think the whole idea, one of the major reasons why we are in ignorance when it comes to the rapture is, I think if we knew, we would become complacent. Absolutely. I think if we knew... Sin for six days, and then on the seventh, make sure I ask for forgiveness. Exactly. Like, oh, I got to clean up because (laughs) Jesus is coming. You know, I think this ignorance causes us to always be ready. I love that that calling. Like, hey, it could be tomorrow, Mm -hmm. so... I should live and get prepared for that. Right. And, yeah. And to think how it feels and motivates our prayers, too. Yes. Right? I mean, not knowing, I mean, we, yeah. And that's that's part of it, too, is I think, you know, in your sermon, we're also just being reminded of this time of mercy, this time of judgment, you know, this time of mercy. There's people I'm praying for hard, yeah. you know, and... It could be any time. Therefore, my prayers are amped up yep. because you I live with urgency, know. right? Yeah, yeah. So, if you don't want Brad's paraphrase, the scripture was, "Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know mm. the day or the hour." So that is what Jesus was after. Okay, <clears throat> seven down. Boy, we're doing great. I don't Sorry. know if we'll get to all of them, but anyway, here we go. Number eight. Descriptions of angels in Revelations are contrary to the contemporary concepts of appearance. Why do people think about them this way? Because their true appearance seems frightening. Now, that's the question. What I don't know is what what is in the questioner's mind when they say, why do these contemporary concepts of appearance, what are they talking about? I don't know. There are all kinds of popular depictions, movies, literature, whatever, of angels. So I think if they're talking about babies floating on clouds plucking harps, (laughs) I mean, I've seen that on cards, right? I mean, I don't think that's biblical. (laughs) Are they talking about Angels with wingspans of 747s wielding flaming swords. That might be a little closer, <laughs> but... Um, well, even the Bible gives us multiple images of mm-hmm. angels, right? right? You know, cherubim we saw are, for a be- lack of a better word from our contents, feel like beasts, right? Yep. Feel, mm-hmm. And again, I think our, our picture of beauty will change when we get to heaven. Right. I think, you know, we label beauty from a Hollywood perspective mm-hmm. when, when we get to heaven, I think our perception of beauty and our, how we view things will be, will be different. But I think, you know, when it comes to angelic beings, you have cherubim, mm-hmm. which are described in, in pretty, you know, detailed version. You got, sure. s- you know, different faces, a lot of eyes, right. six wings. I've seen, I read four wings in Ezekiel, mm-hmm. you know, some have hands again, but then you have like even other angels be de- being described as beautiful and right. you know picturesque. Even our enemy was mm-hmm. the angel of you know he was beautiful before he yeah. fell. Some yeah. of his beauty caused the pride in yeah. him and, and our enemy. So a few things there. I mean, I think I think those different ways that angels can appear, they're always suited to the purpose. Yeah, right. I mean, there are times when those angels appear to the shepherds in the field. There are times when you know. John gets his view in Revelation. These are all different messages, different purposes. Hebrews also says uh, to be hospitable 
because you don't know. You might be entertaining angels without yeah. knowing it. Yeah. So that would indicate that here's angels that show up and just look, look like you and me, right? Mm. We wouldn't even know that they were angels. So there's that whole range of yeah. ways they can appear, all suited to the purpose right. of what they show. Yeah. I mean, when you start talking about the cherubim and all those descriptions, I had just last week in my scripture reading gone through Song of Solomon. Okay. And think about those images in there. Like, yeah. you know, your eyes are like doves and your neck is like a tower. And it's it just like, I'm like, this is the ugliest woman. I could <laughs> imagine I'm trying to conceptualize what's happening there. And I'm trying to figure out what is happening with... Solomon, I think he's evoking this imagery. It, and again, I'd say it's not so literal. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, you know, but it's beautiful. And I think I, I kind of feel that way in Revelation too, mm-hmm. is I'm, I'm not sure I have to resolve this, yeah. but if I'm overwhelmed by it, I think that's probably the right response. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, we did not. Did you have more to say on that one? Are we no, good? No, so we're, we're good. We, so, so Daniel will be pleased. We didn't. We didn't exhaust all the questions. <laughs> and if you're asking questions, please keep them coming. Yep. Okay. Go yeah. to I want that info. And what we've noticed is, uh, Drew, the more you preach, the more the questions come. So uh, I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing. But <laughs> in Revelation, I'll take that as a compliment. So we do expect more. We welcome more, and we'll get back to more next week mm. on a little better. 